Support for a quick timeout podcast is brought to you by our friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. College and professional teams from around the country rely on Dr. Dish shooting machines to help improve their players' development. Whether it's in the gym or at home in your driveway, Dr. Dish will improve your basketball workouts. To find out more about how Dr. Dish can help your program, visit drdishbasketball.com. I'm Coach Tony Miller, and you're listening to a Quick Timeout Podcast. We have conversations with basketball coaches from around the country focused on specific topics designed simply to help grow the game. This week's episode is the first in a two-part series on simplifying and unifying your defense. Over the past couple seasons, our staff has really examined how we coach defense. As coaches, we often spend a considerable amount of time adding, adding, and adding some more to our coaching portfolios. But in an effort to simplify, we worked hard to adjust what we do in our full and half-court defense to make things easier for our players to understand and to make our team harder to score against. The result has been a defense that over the last two seasons has allowed some of the fewest points per game in the history of our program. Hopefully, some of the things I discussed with Coach John DeMarco can be a help to you and to your team. And be sure to check out Coach DeMarco's Get Better Twitter chats every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Hope you enjoy this week's episode. Coach DeMarco here with another Get Better Basketball Live and fortunate to have Tony Miller uh, with me as my guest today. Tony is an assistant basketball coach at Bob Jones University and very involved on social media, including hosting his own podcast. Tony, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on today. I know you're going to talk a little bit about building a defensive system and aligning your half court and full court defense. But before we get into that, I I love what you're doing on social media. I love what you're doing with your podcast and that uh, quick timeout and then coffee with the coaches. Um, Can you tell coaches a, a little bit about your podcast and then maybe about coffee with the coaches as well? Yeah, so I started the podcast about a year ago when I started it, the name of it, obviously, a quick timeout. I was hoping to give coaches something that they could get kind of a few coaching nuggets in a 10 to 12 minute segment. Um, But since that time, I had some feedback from coaches were saying, man, I I loved what you were talking about, but I didn't get enough of it. And so I was trying to find the sweet spot between going on for 45 minutes or an hour a lot of shows do that, and that's fine, but I, I wanted it, again, to fit into the busy schedule of coaches. They can listen to it on the way to a, an away game or, you know, in between classes during a prep period or something like that. So um, that, that's kind of how it got started. I, I wanted to have a variety of guests. There's plenty of other podcasts out there that do very similar to what I'm trying to do, but this one, I, I wanted it to be something, again, where a coach could leave having listened to a specific topic gotten two or three coaching nuggets and been able to go on their way. And so um, that's kind of how it started and it's evolved to the coffee with coaches. That's, it's really kind of like a sub podcast or a sub episode series, sub series to the podcast. Um, it's live on Twitter and Facebook. I, I usually do it either Friday or Saturday mornings. And um, it's just usually a video that's streamed on Twitter and Facebook that we talk about a lot of the same things, but it's a little bit less basketball tactics, um, you know, X's and O's, and it's a little bit more culture. We've talked about social media. We've talked about the player coach relationship. I mean, it's a little bit different leadership, that kind of thing. So it's a little bit different. 
Um, and then I end up re-airing those eventually down the road. And so you'll see those pop up again. But, you know, it's all really just, I, I've got in the title of the podcast, it's really just an effort to grow the game. There's so many resources that are available that I'm just trying to provide some additional resources um, for coaches to have. Well, Coach, I always appreciate, you know, all that you share out there with other coaches so much that um, in my uh, weekly newsletter that I put out, I, I share your podcast out a lot, actually. I just shared uh, one awesome. of your podcasts that I had just listened to um, recently with uh, Coach Casio on it. Um, yeah. So I shared that out this week. And I, I love the, as you mentioned, sort of that sweet spot. It's not super long. It's not too short. It's it's kind of yeah. nice for a listen. You jump in the car, you put it on, and, um, you know, you do a great job with it. So I, I appreciate all that you have to share. And I know that today you're going to talk uh, defense. So if you give us a little bit of a background about um, what we're going to see today, I know you have some diagrams and stuff you're going to share as well. Yeah, so just kind of how this came about. Um, I, I started with our program there at Bob Jones in 2012. That's when we actually first started the program. And I was in a kind of a director of ops volunteer assistant role those first few years. And then um, we had a turnover in, in coaches, not because the guy got fired, but it, he was the athletic director as well. And so he went to become the full-time AD. We brought in a head coach. Um, it was something where I, I'm I teach at the university and I'm in charge of some programs there. And I, as strange as it sounds, at least for a while, I want to be an assistant coach for a long time. I like the responsibilities. I like not having to deal with some of the things that the head coach deals with. But the guy who came in was actually a, a, a friend of mine. And so we had already known each other, had had a friendship for a while. And so he felt comfortable enough from the very beginning. And it's his personality too. But I think us having known each other and him knowing me, before he gave me the defense and said, you know, it's all yours, you know, I'll do the offense, but you can do the defense and have everything with that. And so um, as we've kind of progressed, this is year, we're about to start year four together. As that's progressed, he's, he's wanted to press a little bit more. And that was something that I didn't know a ton about. He has done some great jobs, won a ton of, of high school state championships with it. And and so we had been the first about five or six years of the program, a pack line defense team. And it was kind of more so a little bit out of necessity just because of the type of players that we had. But because we wanted to press a little bit more, those two styles kind of conflicted in certain areas. Um, and so I firmly believe that you can be a pack line team or at least kind of like a gap defensive team and press and those things not oppose each other. But some changes had to be made. And so I kind of wanted to adjust things as what we did in the half court to be able to fit a little bit better what we did in the full court. You know, your listeners, I'm sure you, you think about the game in those four phases, right? Like your transition offense, offense, transition defense, and then defense. And so I wanted there to be a better flow to it rather than just having kind of like four chunks of we do these things. Why? Well, because we've always done it like that, right? And so, you know, trying to pair the two things, just as we're talking today, the transition defense and then the half-court defense, um, and some of the things that, that we can talk about that I'll show you too, kind of minor adjustments. We didn't completely throw out pack line defense. We didn't completely become a denial team, but there are some things that changed. I mean, even in the half-court, um, I, I think you've we've at least talked about it in the chats on Wednesday nights before, but even talking about like ball screen coverage um, and, and making sure that those things are all connected. Because again, I, 
once the game starts going and your players just start playing, I didn't want there to be confusion or kind of like those mental blocks that, uh, wait, am I supposed to do it this way? We're in the half court. I, I wanted things to flow. And so it's changed the things that we've done in the last year, year and a half. Um, you know, it, it can continue to change based off of the type of players that we're recruiting, but trying to kind of stay ahead of the curve with doing some of the things that maybe are being done a little bit more frequently at the higher levels um, and trying to bring that down to where we're at. Just a quick question before we jump into some of the uh, the visuals. Um, what type of uh, full court pressure are, are you using? Is it zone pressure or man pressure? And have you seen some success already as you've sort of transitioned and, and been using a little bit more of the pressure defense? Uh, two years ago, so not this last season, but the season before, we had wanted to make the jump to having a little bit more pressure and kind of speeding up the game a little bit more. Um, but we were plagued with injuries. And so what ended up happening was we primarily became a zone pressing team, which of course, the way that we played it, at least, it doesn't always have to be this way, but the way that we played it would, would slow down some of the faster teams. We play down here in the South. Bob Jones is in, in South Carolina. Um, you know, kind of the levels that we play at, we play a lot of NCAA Division II schools. Um, we just became a Division Three provisional school. So um, a lot of athletes, NAIA, um, even some of the NCCA teams that we play, super quick, super athletic. And to be honest with you, we didn't have those type of players. And so uh, two years ago, it was more of the zone, trying to slow it and control pace. And again, that kind of fit a little bit better with what we were doing in the half court with the pack line defense. But this last year, we recruited a ton of kids, <clears throat> played at times 10, 11, 12 guys. And so it was more of a man-to-man -man style. Um, even our, our zone kind of became a pressure zone where we'd have some traps in certain places on the floor. Um, kind of something interesting with that. I can talk about it. I observed it on the sideline. I, I've, I know it better now. But I actually let the head coach is he would te teach the full court pressure defense and then I would take the half court. We've kind of evolved even in, in how we do that. I actually do some of the offense too. So we kind of have our fingers, both of us, in a little bit of everything. And I think it's been good for us because it's allowed us to align those four segments of the game a little bit better. I think we can continue to improve in those. But um, you know, going back to your original question, will we'll man press? Um, we play a 2-2-1 two, two, press, and then we actually sometimes will also play a 2-1-2 two, two full court press, which is a little unique and has some uh, idiosyncrasies syncrasies to it that are a little bit different and make it a little bit different and harder for teams to prepare, especially if you get them with it and surprise them with it, you know, in certain points of the game. So those are the three that we stick with. Um, and then once it gets to the half court, I think if I, you know, I mentioned pack line, and if when you mention that, coaches usually think I drop back and sit in almost the zone-looking type defense. And again, there are elements to that, but you know, the way that it's evolved, we've tried to make it our own and make it a, a kind of a defense that, you know, that has elements of that, but then also, you know, to not denial, but you know, put pressure on the ball, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, the, the pairing of the two of them has definitely improved and uh, I'll sh I can show you some things that we do that that hopefully will kind of make that make that sound a little bit more understandable. Right now, Huddle is offering real COVID-19 relief for entire athletic departments with the Return to Play program. The program includes subscriptions for every program, as well as a free upgrade to have Huddle Assist and Huddle Focus. 
the smart camera that automatically records and uploads your games, and the ability for parents and fans to watch your live streams for free, all at your current subscription price. For basketball coaches, that means you get the smart camera for your gym, which automatically records your home games, with the flexibility to record any practices or drills you want with the push of a button. You also get Huddle Assist. That means full game breakdowns, including full team and player stats in less than 24 hours, so your stats are ready when you need them. Leverage interactive reports and advanced stats like shot charts or lineup data to coach smarter. Want to see how Huddle can help you dominate this season? Visit Huddle.com. That's huddle.com to learn more. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this because, um, you know, I, I ran a full court pressure defense and we were a little bit more um, deny and, and kind of really getting out in the passing lanes and started to shift my last couple of years and a little bit less of that. So I'm very interested in seeing what you guys are doing and how you're managing, you know, some of the pack line elements there's so many good things about that defense and then also with the pressure defense. So I'm, I'm very interested to see this today. And I know that you have some visuals. So why don't we take a look at um, some of the diagrams that you have? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll just talk a little bit about our full court and then kind of how that shifts and morphs into our, our half court defense. But, you know, for us, when we're, when we're pressing, you know, there'll be some times where obviously we're trying to get steals. Other times we're trying to control tempo. That's usually when we switch over to our zone press. Um, but even our zone press can be one that, that is attempting to speed up. Um, you know, it, again, it has some of those principles of being in a gap uh, per se. You know, it's not going to kill us if a team goes backwards or goes laterally, right? But if they get the ball to the middle, or get the ball quickly up the sideline after a quick rotation, that's what's going to kill you. And so, it, again, it's kind of the same principles and ideas of keeping the ball out of the middle of the paint. And you can see that even here in this diagram. So this is something that is not unique to me. This is in the half court. And, again, our players are already thinking keep the ball on one side of the floor, right? And so we want to keep the ball to one side of the floor. To one side of the floor. We want to keep the ball out of that paint. And so what we will teach them, this is something that I've got from somebody that I know you know, Coach, and have seen online is, is Randy Sherman at Radius Athletics. And so um, he actually teaches and is, is when we talk about half court and teaching it, this is the first year that we taught this. And I feel like it really helped our players understand and visualize. And it allowed me to communicate during a game to them and remind them with those, those uh, terminology cues of what we're trying to do. And you can see here in the first uh, diagram on the left, we talk about we want to basically push them down the roof. And then what I say is once we get them down the roof to about that coaching line there, we want to then push them down the gutter. And so we'll actually practice on the right here. You can see we'll start with the ball here at half court. And sometimes I'll actually put another line over on this side of the floor and have them practicing the same side, same thing on this side of the floor. But we'll just practice keep pushing them down the roof and then pushing them down the gutter here to the outside. And again, if you're a pack line coach, you're looking at that and saying that goes opposite of what pack line is, where you're kind of influencing towards the center of the floor or even facing up and allowing them to go one way or the other, but not allowing them to get that deep paint touch. And so again, in our full court pressure defense, we're constantly trying to shrink the floor by keeping them on one half of the floor, one half of the court. But what was happening was once we broke that, and broke that, the players didn't necessarily know where or when that 
when the press was over or when that full court mentality was over. And so what we were having was they were getting into the half court. Once they got there into the half court, we were now telling them, okay, now influence towards the center of the floor. And I feel like that just kind of caused some confusion of when we're going to do this and what we're going to do. And so we just decided we're going to kind of keep to the outside of the floor. And it also, you know, we talk about the analytics bring, being brought into it. We talk about any time that the ball crosses that midline, which I have it represented here with this red, red dash line. But anytime you cross the ball of that midline, we all know that the team's the offense's field goal percentage immediately increases. And so I was basically telling our players, keep them to one side of the floor in the press. But then once we got in a half court, we said, you know, it's okay if the ball crosses that midline. And I just felt like it went against some of the things that we at our core believed and what we were trying to accomplish. You know, and again, too, some people don't like pack line because they think it means that you're just kind of giving up the middle, which isn't true, but it still happens sometimes. And we were doing a better job of down the roof, down the gutter, keep them outside of the paint with this philosophy. And so from day one, we started teaching them down the roof, down the gutter, and allowed me during the games, like I said, once the ball would cross over half court, especially in transition defense, that ball is being brought quickly down the floor. I would just say, roof, 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 roof. Sounds like I'm barking, but I'm, I'm basically just telling the players, keep that ball to one side of the floor, push it down the roof. And once it gets down the roof, don't let it come back to the middle. And basically it allowed us to shrink that side of the floor and now play because typically you're ending up with the ball here and in a press or in a press off, or excuse me, in a transition offense scenario, you've got a player here in the corner with their defender. And it basically allows me again to keep kind of the ball on that side of the floor where I've got fewer, fewer offensive play or fewer um, possibilities for them to be able to get into those double or triple gaps. Coach, can I just, sport. can I just ask, um, is there anything that determines which side of the floor you might push the, the opponent to, or is it really once they go right and they're on that right side, you're keeping them there. And then I guess my second kind of follow-up to that is um, with the baseline or your strategy there, you guys give that up, not give it up obviously, but allow that or do you force middle from when the ball's in the corner? Just curious in terms of some of the principles as coaches are, watching this and I and I have to say I love what you're doing in terms of from the full court and then into the half court um, I, I really like what I'm seeing yeah I mean ideally you would love to push them to their weak hand but let's be honest during the during a game you're basically scrambling right in a in a transition defense scenario so I was more concerned with them keeping their guy to one side of the floor because I don't know you know what you teach but for us we're teaching we want to cross the street earlier. We want to get the ball across that middle third as quickly as possible. So if, I, if, if I'm telling my team that, I know other coaches are telling their team that. So if I can limit that by putting ball pressure early and then keeping them to one side of the floor, I'm really more concerned that we keep them to one side of the floor rather than you have to push them to their left hand or push them to their right hand. Because again, I'm more concerned with them not crossing the midline than I am with them you know, going to their weak hand. Because yes, individually, you may do a better job on a player if you're pushing them to their weak hand. But let's be honest, as soon as that starts happening, they're going to probably give the ball up. And so as soon as they give the ball up, if that's something where they're crossing the midline, then you're probably going to lose that advantage that you had anywhere. So this again kind of fits into to our, our transition defense, you know, putting the guy at the elbow, or even nowadays where you have offensive players that are just sprinting to the three-point line, 
making sure that we're in those gaps, right? And so making sure that we're in the gaps and if the ball's being driven at us in the corner that we're closing out and, and to taking away the corner shooter. Um, you talk about pushing them down the roof. <clears throat> there is a difference, and this is something that we've had to instill in our players into their minds from, the, from day one, is it's okay for an offensive player to drive you towards the baseline it's not okay for them to beat you and for you to give up the baseline. Like those are two different things. And there were, there were too many times early on where we were so adamant about no, nothing outside, nothing outside, nothing outside that when it happened, we were like, we were mad at our players. But the truth of the matter is like, it just happens sometimes. Like there's players that are athletic. I want them to have like this not give up attitude. And that's where I have the, 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 the cone down there in the short corner if you start to get driven baseline that's okay but you have to now angle yourself and move quickly to the point where you can cut them off at that baseline spot um, and, and you know sometimes you end up happy you could potentially tell that could be a trapping spot right so you could tell your post player that's where we want to trap and then you know that that opens up a whole you know help and recover and rotations and that kind of thing too but from a one-on-one -on -one standpoint, it's okay if your guy starts to drive you baseline. It's not okay. We want to level them off is a term sometimes that, you know, backline coaches will use. But it's okay, We but we have to level them off to that cone there. We can't give up a baseline drive. So, again, that's one of those things that I think maybe sounds like semantics to coaches. But really, I think if you teach it to your players, they'll understand and they actually get pumped about it when they when they get a stop there in the short corner and actually like encourages them <clears throat> and motivates them to keep playing tough defense because I, I I got him cut off in the baseline. He didn't beat me baseline, you know, and then they start clapping and getting pumped up and whatever. So, you know, I, I think that's a key difference because that was one thing. I mean, you know, it was a good question. That was one thing that I didn't like about the pack line was that we were at times practicing getting beat on the baseline so that we could practice for when it happened in a real game. And there was just something messed up about that because you're, you're practicing not doing what you want to happen and you're okay with it because, you know, it's going to happen in the game. So we better go ahead and practice it. And so I, I didn't like that part of the pack line. Yeah. I love the, the never give up mentality there on, on the baseline. And the truth is it's going to, it's going to happen. And if you instill the mentality that you guys are instilling into your players, beat them to the spot and try to get back and recover. I think that's so important. And, Love the point, too, about just keeping the player on that side of the floor. I can see so many advantages to what you guys are doing, and it's kind of got the, the wheels spinning here. So I'm excited to yeah. see what's up next. I'll, well, and I'll say this, too, if you think about it, because at some point you you were probably going to ask me about ball screen defense. and Because, again, as the game continues to move towards so many ball screens, even if at the high school level you're not facing them a lot, you're going to at some point during the year face a guy who's just he's awesome in the ball screens and that's what they run at somewhere most likely right and so for us we face that all the time at the college level and again uh, we were trying to be kind of proactive more so at the forefront um, at our in our league and we started icing ball screens or downing ball screens uh, two or three years ago and it, it wasn't being done a lot and if you think about what icing or downing is, you're pushing them towards the outside of the floor. And that, confl that conflicts with pack line teams. It, you can do it. I mean, but, but if you look at a Virginia 
like they're hard hedging. And to be honest with you, like our, our bigs were not athletic and not good enough and couldn't anticipate like players at Virginia, like it was just different. And so we were trying to teach downing and icing, but again, that goes against influencing towards the center of the floor. And so again, that, that inconsistency, at least for me, even if the players didn't understand it, I just had a problem with teaching something like that. And then again, teaching them in the half court. <clears throat> I think probably what I'm trying to say is when you start, when there are not consistencies in what you're, what you're doing, your style across the board, you start introducing more if-thens. Well, if this happens, then this. If this, then this. And th if this, then this. And you end up with this so long list of if-thens that you can't even remember all the if-thens, but you're expecting your players to react instinctively to those things in a game, and it's just not going to happen. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is I'm trying to eliminate the if-thens and create continuity so that they can react and play quick. I'm Coach Tony Miller, and you're listening to a Quick Timeout Podcast. We have conversations with basketball coaches from around the country focused on specific topics designed simply to help grow the game.